The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody out there in the Auburn Opelika area. Well, we have got some things to talk about today here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Uh, It was busy for myself Uh, We were in Bessemer Friday night, and then Carter, you and I both went home and saw our families on Saturday. Uh, How was your trip home, brother? It was good. It was good. I was only there for uh, a little bit because I had to come back and do do after the game with our good buddy Jack Hudden. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it was it was good to see see family, even if it just was for like twelve hours, and then uh, get back and do the uh, show on Saturday night. It was it was a good weekend. Uh, Obviously. Not for the team that we uh, cover, but or or the other team that I cover, for that matter. Yeah, uh, you'll have that. Both of both of the uh, teams that that I I cover lost by a combined eighty four to seventeen this weekend. So it wasn't exactly ideal from that aspect. I wouldn't call that competitive. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, anything but. Well, I was at home on Saturday, and it turns out so I get so we call the game Lee Scott versus Bessemer Friday night, which Lee Scott put it on a forty nine zero on the road at Bessemer Academy Friday night. So Lee Scott still undefeated this season, by the way. Uh, so I go, I get home or to my parents' house late Friday night, and I get home, and my dad says, "Yeah, your sister, one of your sisters and stepmom has the flu." And so ah, good stuff. they're stuck in the bedroom all weekend. I said, great. That's awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> Love that. So uh, hope, I mean, they stayed in the bedroom, so I should be fine. But I only really got to see like half my family. So I saw my dad and one of my sisters. We were uh, hanging out with some people, watching some football on Saturday, then drove back for work on Sunday. But uh, yeah, so found out that half my family had the flu over the weekend. So hopefully we stay away from that. But... We have got a ton to talk about here on the show today. Hope you all had a great weekend. Uh, We've got a busy, busy week here around the station. We've got a lot of live events going on. We've got football and baseball to talk about this week. And so uh, it's going to be a busy, busy day today and a busy week over the next few days. But we've got so much to go over today on the show. We'd love to to hear from you and get your thoughts on everything that's going on in the world of sports. If you want to call in and talk about Auburn, Georgia, if you want to talk about the Atlanta Braves, if you want to talk about the NFL, I don't care. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. That number again, 334-321-1390. On this Monday, October 10th, it's crazy. We're already 10 days into the month of October, but that means that Auburn and Georgia have officially played, and the result was not pretty. 
Uh, Georgia beats Auburn 42-10 to on Saturday. Carter, I know with after the game, obviously you and Jack, give to, you guys get to give your immediate reactions to the games. And on Monday, I ask you the same question to start the show. You've already had a chance to give your initial immediate reactions to Auburn's loss to Georgia, but you've had a couple of days to sit on it now. What are you taking away from Auburn's performance against Georgia on Saturday on the road? Well, let's just start by talking about the the offense. The offense right now, you know what you know when there's like a really, really, really old car and you try to turn it on for the first time in like decades and it just like tries to turn over, tries to turn over, and then just like nothing happens. That's what Auburn's offense is. It's just there's no life to it save a an unbelievable play by Jarquez Hunter to just throw dudes off him and go for 62 yards and a touchdown. Besides that, there's not a lot of positives. You're putting the ball on the ground. Penalties, false starts all over the place. Offensive line getting smoked. Can't protect. Uh, can't protect your quarterback, and your quarterback's having to run for his life and uh, scramble. The, the best play Auburn ran on Saturday was the, hey, Robbie, run in circles and figure it out and try to pick up six, seven, eight yards with your legs because we can't protect you long enough for you to actually sit back there and pass. And then in the run game, they're not good either. I mean, you've got two stud running backs who can't get going. I mean, Jarquez, five carries, 20 yards. Take Bigsby, 10 carries, 19 yards. What I what I do appreciate, and I think uh, Justin Hokinson had this note, and I, I I had noticed it, but it was the first time I'd seen anybody really talk about it extensively. You know this season, like Tank Bigsby came back for this garbage, and you know it's not doing anything to help his draft stock. Although I still think he is still going to be a decently high running back draft pick because. Put him behind an NFL offensive line. I mean, I think he thrives. I really do. But he's behind a a a almost high school level offensive line when you compare to the fact that they're just getting abused by every front they play. Um, Tank is he's handled the frustration well. Like there's there's not the we're not seeing the signs that we saw from Tank the first two years where his frustration was very, very visible. And I appreciate that, at least. But you can't run the football. You can't throw the football. How the heck are you going to score points? I mean, Kobe Wooden goes above and beyond, gets a strip sack, and he recovers his own the own fumble that he forced, and you still only get three. I mean, it's it's bad. It's really bad. It's just... I don't know. Uh, it's frustrating. And at some point, the defense is going to... They're only human. They can only handle so much, so many plays on the field. They can only be so exhausted. Mentally, they can only be so sharp for a certain amount of time. The dam is going to break. And it broke in the second half in this one. Watching Auburn, Georgia on Saturday for me, and again, we'd love to hear from you and your thoughts and reactions from Auburn, Georgia and where Auburn as a program is right now. 334 1390 watching the Auburn-Georgia game on Saturday, okay, coming into it, right, all last week we talked about how Georgia was going to win this game and win this game easily, right? And coming into the game Saturday, I had this feeling that the defense for Auburn 
was going to it they were going to play right the defense was going to show up and have a pretty good day and I felt that the defense for Auburn could keep them in the football game it would be completely on the offense to see if they could score some points make some big plays run the football get Robbie Ashford comfortable those types of things right I felt that way but I had no confidence in the offense because of course we hadn't seen it through five games where Auburn could score well sure enough you get to the game on Saturday, 2.30 on CBS, the whole country is watching, and the defense balls out. The defense did their job until, like you said, the dam broke because mm-hmm. at this point, the defense is tired. The defense is over it. They are, they're, they're done. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if on Saturday, this coming Saturday, Ole Miss is the team that puts them out and just buries them in the first half because the defense has got to have, and if they don't, credit to them, but the defense has got to have this mindset right now where, in my opinion, I think this is where they're probably at, where it's like, why would we play our hearts out and keep this team in the football game if the offense can't score? And you saw that against Georgia on Saturday. The defense did their job. You're down 14-0 at the half against Georgia on the road. Okay. And Auburn had plenty of chances to get on the board. Auburn had plenty of chances to move the football. Auburn had plenty of chances to pick up first downs. Auburn had plenty of chances to score. And they didn't. They didn't do that. Their defense forced a turnover. They started to drive in enemy territory, and they had to settle for a field goal. You saw Auburn unable to pick up first downs, unable to run the football between the tackles, unable to get the ball outside, and then on their fourth or fifth punt of the day, they decided to go for the fake punt. Now, we're going to get into this because the fake punt was just one play, and yes, it did lead to a score right that led to a score and both touchdowns in the first half from Georgia weren't really on the defense I mean they just weren't Georgia had a short field both times they weren't on the defense in my opinion but the fake punt is it's a it's an interesting way to go because was it a good call no was it a bad call no because in this situation when you're on the road at the number two team in the country against your rival where you are outmatched outmanned and outcoached You have to have plays like that to win those types of football games. You just do. You've got to have onside kicks, or you've got to have a pick six, or you've got to have a fake punt or a fake field goal or something to catch the opponent off guard to give you any sort of advantage that you can take. And a fake punt's not a bad idea. Now, on that spot in the field, I don't necessarily agree with it. But if Auburn would have gotten it, here's my big thing, right? There's a couple of ifs. If the guy makes the block, Auburn picks up the first down, and they're still on the offensive side. They've still got the football. The offense trots out on the field. But here's my big question, right? Here's my big takeaway from that fake punt, and I said this when it happened. Let's say Auburn were to have converted on the fake punt and pick up the first down, and Robbie Ashford and the offense come back out on the field. What were they going to do? They were going to run three more plays, and they were going to punt the football again. So why does it really matter? If you're Brian Harson, you're thinking you may as well go for it because you got nothing else going for you, right? If Auburn picks up that first down on the fake punt, the offense wasn't going to just magically get better. 
and just say, wow, that was really good, guys. Maybe we'll start playing a little bit better on offense. That wasn't going to happen, right? So that's my big thing is you could talk about whether the fake punt was a good idea or not. In that area of the field, I don't love it. But again, against Georgia like that, you've got to have some plays. Where comparing the two teams right now, you had to have some plays like that. If the guy gets the block, sure, he picks it up. But if Auburn were to convert, the offense wasn't going to do anything. They hadn't shown us to that point that they were actually going to do anything. Mm -hmm. And so you can harp on the fake punt. I think that's just one play of the game. Auburn offensively cannot score. They cannot move the football. Robbie Ashford has no time. He's running for his life. He makes bad throws. He makes bad decisions. And he's a very young quarterback. And you can tell. You can see it where he has certain plays where he's just throwing the football and it's a check down throw and the kid's rare back throwing it as hard as he can. He's, he's supposed to be playing toss in the backyard and he's throwing it 100 miles an hour. There's times where he's throwing it in double, triple coverage just to say he threw the football downfield. I don't know what to do with the offense at this point. I don't know where they go. And you know who else doesn't know? Brian Harson, And he'll tell he said you. It. He said, I don't know. They asked him about it. And he said, I don't know. That's that's we'll wait and see. That's yeah. not good. That's just not good. Yeah, I don't I don't believe in any aspect of this offense right now, but I do think you have to credit this Auburn defense because have to. That first half they've played was phenomenal. They when Georgia's going when you're going to limit Georgia's offense like that, the offense ha- your offense has to do something and they did not. And it was painful to watch the only reason why Georgia scored in the first half is because of the the field position difference because the offense couldn't get any first downs Auburn was starting at their own 19 Georgia was starting at their own 47 I mean you're going to give up points when they only have half a field to go I mean and and eventually they put up 14 in the first half but they only had like eight yards more than you in the first half and your offense did not have a pulse forget on life support forget bleeding out it was dead. The offense was dead. And and especially when you do get into Georgia territory in the first half, you turn it over. Your your quarterback can't hang on to the football. He's putting the ball by the way, he's putting the ball on the ground way too many times. His fumble running in the open field and nobody touched him, he just dropped it. That I mean, those types of things are just they can't happen. And Robbie Ashford's young. You can tell. He's young. He's young within the decisions he's making and his when he gets rattled. I mean, you saw him getting frustrated on the sidelines. It's understandable. We would all be frustrated. But he's got to find a way to, to, to reel this thing in because it's him. I mean, he is the quarterback. And he's got to find a way to, to rally the troops and rally with himself and get better because he's just not playing good enough right now. Robbie Ashford's not. The offensive line is not. And when you've got guys like Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter who are so, so good and they can't even pick up yards, you've got an issue. And for me, with with Robbie, I don't know where you where you start with him. There's so many things that you've got to fix with him. You can see where he could be really good. You, you can see it. You can see the athleticism. He picked up many yards on the ground with his legs. He picked up a couple of first downs with his legs. I don't know why that is not in the game plan. And to me, there were multiple times on Saturday during a play when it was happening and it was breaking down on him. It looked like to me, and you can you can disagree maybe, but 
it looked like to me at times when the play was breaking down and the pocket was collapsing almost instantly and it was supposed to be a throwing play, it didn't seem like he knew or understood that running was an option. It seemed like he was so determined to throw the football instead of just using his natural ability of athleticism and tucking the football and running, there were times where it just didn't seem like he knew he could run. Or he just he was told to throw the ball, and that's what he did. Throwing in double-triple coverage, taking a sack, or doing whatever. So I don't know why that is not more part of the game plan, where if you're going to let the defense bull rush you and come right at you, we'll run right through the gap and go right by them. I, I feel like that's got to be part of the game plan for Auburn moving forward on I think, offense. I think he tried that. I think he did, but but Georgia's defense is too fast, and they're too good, and the, you can't do that every play. I mean, you, you have to have some semblance of an offense, but the thing is, this staff hasn't figured it out. The execution's bad. The offensive line's bad. I don't feel like enough plays are being made on the outside by the receivers. I mean, you no wide receiver in this game had more than one reception. One. Javarius Johnson, one catch, 20 yards. Xavier Capers. By the way, he exists, apparently. He He's a real person. Haven't seen him in two years, but one catch for 16 yards. Coy Moore, one catch for 14 yards. Is this on the receivers, or is this on offensive line and quarterback play? I think it's on everybody. It's on the coaches. It's on the quarterback. I mean, granted, there's only so much you can ask a fresh redshirt freshman quarterback in his first start on the road against that defense when he's under that much pressure. But like guys don't win one on ones, and at at the offensive line they don't, and then they don't win it down the field. Which doesn't help Robbie Ashford. I, I mean, you're, he's not getting any help. There's no there doubt were, about it. Receivers caught three balls. Running backs caught five, and John Samuel Schinker caught five. Yep. And one of those is lucky. One of those is lucky, which I do because you throw a fastball through through uh, Tyler Fromm's hands, and Schinker makes a diving catch. But I think that the game sped up on Robbie because he had so much pressure, and that's when you see like he he loses the ability to throw. A changeup at all because he's he's having like he's there's panic there's there's anxiety back there there's there's a little bit of franticness and you saw when he missed he missed Jarquez on a little swing route on a little rail route out of the backfield just got to put some air on it let it fall on underneath them and then he's got there. 25 yards he overthrew that he obviously he should have thrown probably a pick on that play that he threw a fastball to to uh, Tyler Fromm. It didn't work out, but yeah, I mean it's and well, it did work out because you had Shinker make an unbelievable play down the field. But it's 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 frustrating. It's frustrating. You can see where Robbie's young, and he's just not getting the help that he needs. We've got a whole lot more to say on this conversation. We're going to get to the phone lines when we come back. 334-321-1390. We'd love for you to call in, be a part of the show as well. Dan, hold on. We're going to get to you on the other side of this break here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Albert Opelika Sports Leader. Let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Dan, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, man, what you got? Um, 
Uh, not that we didn't expect what happened to happen, but, you know, it doesn't help when your offensive lineman comes out and says, you know, if we do everything right, we're going to demolish their line. And then you have the worst grade on the whole <laughs> the whole thing of a, of a 38 or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, but just watching the line block, it's not that – it seems like the effort is there. It just seems that there are times when we block like, – like for one play, for instance, um, 65, he's got a guy right in front of him, and it looks like he pass blocks the guy to be basically a double team, and he lets his man, which was right in front of him, just run straight on in. I know exactly yeah. what play right. you're talking about. That play went viral on Twitter. And I'm just like – why would you not block the guy directly in front of you? It seems I mean, like it does seem like a fundamental thing more than an effort thing. I think you're right. I mean, I mean, and so you know, yes, Robbie's going to make mistakes. Yes, he's going to be frustrated. You know, yeah, the fumble, yeah, that's on him. He's got to tuck that ball when he runs it. But I mean, those are fixable things. But it just seems like either we're calling the wrong blocking scheme, or. Or, I mean, granted, maybe we're on our third center and he doesn't know how to call the blocks. I don't know. But you just can't let guys just have a free shot at the quarterback. You know, by the time the ball gets in his hands, he's already having to run. He didn't even get a chance to even try to, uh, you know, make whatever the play's called. You know, right, and there I were mean, times too where Georgia would bring like a delayed blitz with a linebacker at Auburn. I mean, they weren't going to pick him up, and he had free run at Robbie. Yeah, I mean, there was multiple times where that happened. So, yeah, it, I don't know if it's a if it's a you would hate to say it's fundamentals because these guys have been playing college football and offensive line for three or four years, but maybe it is a a scheme or a call or whatever it is, some confusion, or maybe it's just they're just not where they need to be. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, look, as a quarterback, I mean, there's not much you can do in a game like that. You're playing against a great defense, and, you know, you're on the road. It's going to be loud, whatever. You know, obviously what killed our offense in the first half was all the penalties on the offensive line. I mean, just false start, false start, false start, false start. I yeah. Like, I mean, that was obviously the worst game for the offensive line, which is saying a lot because we've had a few other games that were pretty bad. But, but man, it's like, now, look, fortunately, we probably won't play another defense that good until – you know, Alabama and maybe Texas A&M might be pretty good, but Georgia's probably the best. But still, it's just well, and and we also just played. If if you go look at the roster, the players that played in that game, that's not even the best version of that Georgia defense. Their best player is hurt. Jalen Carter. How much worse would the game have been for the Auburn offensive line with Jalen Carter in the middle, just wrecking shop in the middle? I mean. It would have been a disaster. Robbie Ashford yeah. legitimately may not have he may not have completed eight passes in the game if Jalen Carter had been playing in the middle of, the, of that Georgia D line. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it's it's bad. it's bad right now. Hey, Dan, we appreciate the call, man. Appreciate it. That's Dan here on On the Line, 334-321-1390. We'd love to hear from you as well. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to talk with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. We'll get his thoughts on the craziness of the Alabama-Texas A&M game and how the Crimson Tide are preparing for Tennessee this week. It ought to be a good one. So we'll talk to Joey Blackwell at 2.30. Looking forward to having him on like we do every single Monday. But, uh, yeah, to Dan's point, I mean – like he said, the play that went viral and then multiple times where Georgia... There was, there was another one that didn't get any any attention, but Keandre Jones coming off the ball, run blocking, gets 
hit with a swim move and just touches nothing but air and then falls flat on his face and it was it was tough yeah it was bad and like I said there were times also where Georgia would just bring a delayed blitz and not super delayed but they would just bring a guy two or three seconds after the snap and he was running free range right at, right at Robbie Ashford because Auburn didn't they and there were also times where and it, you know it could have been play calling whatever but Auburn would send their running back out and that's that's a blocker. And like, if you're not running with Tank Bigsby or Jarquez Hunter, you need to leave him in the backfield as an extra blocker because Lord knows your offensive line needs help blocking. And if you're not going to throw it to those guys immediately on a screen pass or run the football with them, leave them in the backfield as an extra blocker to pick up that delayed blitzer. Or when that guy gets past one of your offensive linemen, at least throw a shoulder at him just to throw him off for a second or two to give Robbie Ashford that much more time to throw the football, make a play, do whatever. I mean, look, you can't, you cannot put all of this on Robbie Ashford, and I don't think anybody is. I really don't. You, Like I said, you can see where Robbie Ashford can be a good quarterback down the road, right? You can see where he's young, where he can make some good plays, and where he makes the wrong plays. You've got to tuck the football when you're running, right? You've got to know how to throw the football on certain plays to certain guys in certain situations. You can't rear back and throw at 100 miles an hour every single time. That's not how that works. Sometimes, yes, that's what it takes. But you can't try to throw it as hard as you can because you're getting chased by the defense. And I know that's hard, right? It's a lot easier said than done sitting here in the studio versus playing on the road against the Georgia defense. But he's got a lot to learn. But nobody on this offense is helping him right now. And the guys that can help him, Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter, they can't help him because they can't run anywhere because they're getting hit as soon as they touch the football 50% of the time. So I don't know what you do. You can't put it all on Robbie Ashford. Yeah, he's got some problems and he's got some things to fix, but you can't put the entire offensive woes on on Robbie Ashford. You just cannot do it. We're going to talk with Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Well, let's get Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on the show. We talk to him every single Monday. Joey, maybe a little bit of... uh, Maybe a sigh of relief, if you will, on Saturday night in Tuscaloosa as the Crimson Tide do defeat Texas A&M, but it was a nail-biter. It was a fantastic game, one that not a lot of people thought was going to be as close as it was, but Alabama pulls it out against A&M on Saturday night. Yeah, you know, the the hype for the game was strong over the summer, but it kind of died down over the past couple of weeks here with A&M having two losses, but that game lived up to every bit of the hype that existed over the summer. Um, it was a really, really close game. Obviously, like you said, came down to the final play. Alabama passed down that, that pass and, and as time expires. Uh, I think that was honestly the loudest I've ever heard Brian Denny Stadium, and I've been going to the games there for my entire life of 30 years. So really great atmosphere, really great game, and now uh, Alabama has to continue, uh, start preparations for a very, very tough game against Tennessee this weekend. 
Joey, I, I do have to ask. I'm curious. With that final play call by Texas A&M, what were your thoughts going into the play? And then what were your thoughts about that play call? Because to me, it was a pretty uh, pretty rough call there by, by by Jimbo to try to throw it short of the goal line. Yeah. Well, you know, to be completely honest, um, I didn't really have a reaction. When I, was, I, I was on the field at the time, so I didn't really get a good angle of the play. Um, but in the, in the moment, I thought he was in the end zone. So I was like, oh, that's a good start. You know, good play. But after, of course, going back, and I was on the opposite end of the field. But after going through and, and watching the film, yeah, that was a very confusing play call. You know, it kind of reminded me of, you know, uh, I'm a big Seahawks fan, and I never forget that the Seahawks are playing the Patriots. You're on the two-yard line. <laughs> they were able to run over Alabama all day. Why not run the football? Or possibly, you know, they also had a lot of problems against Alabama. And the, or they created a lot of problems for Alabama in the flat all day, tossing it to A-Chain. Um, they never they, – they could have executed that but didn't. So – it was a poor call of play, poor execution. You know, the, the pass definitely wasn't perfect. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think, you know, like Chris Stewart said after the game, people aren't going to ask, you know, how, how you, uh, you know, how it happened. They're just going to ask how many wins you have. So, and ultimately, that's what matters. We're speaking with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Joey, as you look at Alabama, of course, Bryce Young did not play, and you saw uh, backup quarterback Milrow come in and play for Alabama. There were some times where he had some really good plays, but then also some times where he we saw some mistakes, maybe some that we wouldn't have seen Bryce Young make. Uh, make. What was your takeaway of Alabama's performance with a backup quarterback? You know, I... I... You know, Milrow was a little bit underwhelming, just to be completely honest there, but I did really like what I saw from the running game. You know, ever since pretty much halftime of the Arkansas game, we've really seen Alabama's running game, um, you know, kind of come into come into ground full force. Uh, I think that's, a, that's because of a couple of things. First, I think Jameer Gibbs has got a lot more comfortable. It's clear that he's kind of developed as the bell cow of, the, of these running, of the stable of running backs at this point. But then on top of that, you know, these past two games, we've seen McLaugh, Seth McLaughlin start um, at, at center. And I really think that's, you know, he did a great job last year in his final few games having to start when Darian Dalcourt went down with injury. And now that they're in there, I think this offensive line is gelling a lot a lot better. They're creating bigger holes. And when you have an offensive line that can create holes of that magnitude, and then you also have a running back like Gibbs who's explosive in the backfield and can hit those holes really quick, it's a deadly combination. So, you know, once, you know now that they have the running game down, you know, and hopefully we'll be able to bring Bryce Young back this week. Um, you know, this is going to be an offense that's going to look very um, much better than it did just a couple of weeks ago. Joey, with with Jalen Milrow getting the start, obviously, because as you said, Bryce was banged up. What did you see out of him that you liked? What did you see out of him that you maybe didn't like? How was it? How would you, I guess, rate his overall performance on Saturday night? Well, you know, I, I think. Uh, two-edged sword when it comes to what I like and what I didn't like. On one hand, I really like how he is not afraid to run the football. Um, and he's, I think I've said this on the show last week. I kind of equate him to K.J. Jefferson in that he's the type of guy that can run outside the pocket, and he's not going to try to avoid defenders. He's going to try to hit them head on, and that's because he's bigger than half the defense he's going up against. He's a very <laughs> big, very strong guy. But the, the other side of that dual-edged sword is that, you know, what I didn't like was his ball handling. You know, yeah, he had one interception. Obviously, there were three fumbles in the game you know, that they lost. Um, so, with, with him, that was obviously a huge factor, not being able to, you know, tuck the ball in. Um, so, hopefully, you know, if he has to play this weekend, which we still don't know, Saban said today that Bryce Young is still day-to-day and they're still working that out, 
if he does have to play, that's something that he's really going to have to to work on. We're speaking with Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, here on On the Line. Joey, Alabama didn't score in the fourth quarter, and this was a game that came down to the final play, a one-possession ball game where Alabama had to squeak out the win at home. Does it concern you that down the road and throughout the rest of this SEC season that in a game like this where Alabama had to to pull away for the victory in a one-possession game that they were not able to put any points on the board in the fourth quarter? You know, that is a little bit concerning, um, but I think we also have to take it with a grain of salt knowing that Bryce Young wasn't out there. You know, I don't want to diss Jalen Miller too much, but it's, it's more of an elevation of Bryce Young. Um, I think without Bryce there, you're not only missing a guy that has incredible skills on the field, but you're also missing one of your leaders. Um, Bryce is, is the leader of that offense. When you have that, you're having to adjust to a new guy, you know, that, that's making the play, that, you know, that's making the signals and, and making the passes. You know, that's going to cause some interruption. Um, obviously, the team had a full week to practice with him as the starter, but, you know, uh, Milrow didn't know he was going to be the starter until Saturday. And if he didn't know, then obviously the rest of the team didn't know. So you're still having to make those adjustments on the fly. So the, the one good thing is, you know, I think this defense obviously was, was stifling. It was really good. Yes, you know, it, it did struggle there near the end. But over the course of the game, it was still really, really solid. So with the combination of Bryce Young, you know, probably returning and this defense being able to still, you know, really create problems for opposing offenses, um, hopefully there won't be too many of those one possession games left. But that being said, this is going to be a really um, high-flying offense he has, and then you have to play Mississippi State as well. So, you know, these games will probably be closer than any Alabama fans want them to be. Joey, everybody's favorite uh... – Alabama narrative if you're an opposing fan is Alabama kickers and uh, Will Reichert's had a had a rough <laughs> couple games here should Alabama fans be worried about that moving forward or is this just a a, a little blip on the uh, on the radar you know I I, I you know it's, I think it's a little too early to tell um, but you know it's definitely he hasn't gone hasn't done well um, you know it's kind of funny against Texas A&M he hit uh, he hit his longest attempt of the mm-hmm. day if I'm from memory correctly than his other two that are routine that he normally makes you know without question if you make those two field goals Alabama you know there, there, there aren't you know fans aren't sweating bullets in that fourth quarter because Bama's up by 10 instead of just by four um, but you know it, it, it has developed into a problem you know he started out the year really strong and had some really good performances but since that time you know he's it, really kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit so you know there's no doubt that he's going to definitely you know you know get back to practicing you know records obviously a solid kicker you know everybody thinks back to 2020 when he had the perfect season um last year he only missed a few it seemed like and then this year you know it's really you know gone a little bit there's nobody more disappointed in him than himself and no doubt he'll be hitting the practice field this week well joey look man coming from the auburn the auburn show you knew that question was coming about the kickers right <laughs> well it's kind of funny you know there's that duality in the state of alabama it seems like alabama always has struggles with kickers Meanwhile, Auburn seems like they always have, you know, a guy that can nail a 60-yarder without a problem. So, um, Auburn, Auburn fans always hang their hats on that, and Alabama fans always just kind of shrug their shoulders and disbelief. I mean, look, I don't know what it says about us if we're having to hang our hat on kickers, but, hey, we'll take what we can get over here at Auburn. We're talking to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Joey, let's get into this week where Alabama plays their biggest one yet on the road 
at a top 10 program. Tennessee ranked 6, Alabama ranked 3 in the newest AP poll. It's a top 6 matchup in college football. College game day will be there. They'll be the second time they're in Knoxville this season. On the road in Rocky Top, how are you feeling? As how, how is Alabama feeling coming into this game at Tennessee on Saturday? Well, I think you're, if any Alabama fan with half a brain has to have a little bit of, of concern for this week. You know, this is a Tennessee team that, you know, during the during the summer, you know, all this, when we were previewing this team, I, I just definitely not a trap game now because the Tennessee team has definitely put itself on the radar. But it's definitely one of the two programs that could beat this Alabama team this year. And they lived up to every bit of that expectation. Um, you know, Hendon Hooker is obviously, you know, dynamic at quarterback. They have a great set of wide receivers. Their offensive line is solid. They do um, have a lot to work on in the defensive backfield. You know, that is one thing if Bryce Young comes back this game could get out of hand for Tennessee in a hurry. Um, you know, because I was actually looking at the stats today and I was a little shocked. Tennessee is ranked, I believe, 11th in the country um, in run defense, which is really good. But in pass defense, they actually ranked 128th out of 131. Um, they allow over 300 yards a game in the air. So if Bryce Young comes back, that is a concern. But that being said, it's, it's a really, really good Tennessee team. Neyland's going to be hyped. Um, it's the first time these two teams have both played and are both undefeated uh, since 1989, I believe. So, you know, it's a historic rivalry, and it's good to see it, uh, you know, kind of being rekindled this week. With the way that Tennessee has been playing and and the statement win on the road in Death Valley and the fact that this game is in Knoxville, just like how, how nervous is that making Alabama fans, and does that change anything with how Alabama prepares for this? Is Are, are they – were they put on notice with that Tennessee performance uh, this week and then the way that they played against Texas A&M? How do you see that playing out? Well, you know, I don't think Alabama looks at the opponents, you know, as, it does, as much as it does itself. And what I mean by that is, you know, obviously, if you look over at the game, they're definitely going to be watching a lot of film from that Tennessee-LSU game. But I think that isn't as much of a wake-up call as the game against Texas A&M was. You know, I think this game – kind of came at a good time for Alabama. You know, they struggled against Texas earlier this year. Then they had a couple of really, really solid games. And now these past two weeks, you know, Arkansas made it close, and now Texas A&M came down to the last play. Um, and, you know, players, you know, we, we talked to Nick Saban, but we also talked to Henry Toa, who will be making his triumphant return to Neyland. Um, and then we also talked to Tyler Steen today, and everybody was talking about how, you know, you always prepare for the game the same way, you know, no matter the opponent. And I think that's going to be the same case this week. But that being said, you know, let, let, you know, let's not get distracted by a solid Mississippi State team. You know, let's not get distracted by that bye week coming up. This is a team that is more than capable of beating Alabama, and they need to treat them as such. We've got Joey Blackwell on the phone from Bama Central here on On the Line. Joey, a question that I've got for you is this. Alabama on Saturday against Tennessee, which side of the football has to play better for Alabama? The offense to try to score points and outscore Tennessee or the defense to try to slow down the volunteers to where Alabama can score enough points to win this thing? You know, I think the defense. I think Alabama's offense has proven itself capable, whether it's, you know, obviously it did have its struggles with Milrow, but it was still more than capable. You know, it still put up 24 points. I think the, the pressure is going to weigh down on the defense. And that being said, this defense is, is obviously shown to be really, really good at times. You know, I think of the, the, the bookend of, you know, the first and fourth quarters against Arkansas. I think of the, the first half against Texas A&M. Um, but, you know, there's still, there's still issues with it. Um, I really think they need to slow down Hooker because Hooker is the type of guy that 
He's not just a dynamic passer. He's also a very good runner. He's really skilled once he gets outside of the pocket. So, you know, Will Anderson and Dallas Turner are going to have their hands full, but that's in the offensive line is as well. So, um, you know, I, I think the pressure weighs on the defense, but at the same time, you know, Nick Saban said that Milrow played, you know, anxious and nervous against A&M. Um, so if, if that's the case, he really needs to get his nerves in check heading into this week if Bryce isn't able to start. Kind of going on that, how, how likely is it that Bryce Young m- makes this start on Saturday at Tennessee? Do you want my personal opinion or do you yes. want my professional opinion? <laughs> Both. <laughs> Both. <laughs> Both. You know, I think that, you know, I think odds are he starts. You know, and, and I think that, you know, I, I, I honestly thought he was probably going to start this past week, but I understand that them being, you know, them being um, hesitant. But, you know, you didn't hear this from me, but Bryce in that fourth quarter was actually warming up in the tunnel um, outside the locker room. Wow. They were getting ready for if A&M was able to tie that game to put Bryce in there. So I think that's a good sign that he is ready. They're just, they were just being extra cautious. So, you know, I, I really think he starts this game. I think they are being hesitant with him, but I think by Wednesday we'll start hearing reports that he's a, being a full participant in practice. Well, Joey, I just feel like if there's any chance that Bryce Young is healthy enough to go, not only is he going to want to go, I think Nick Saban's going to want to put him in there because that gives Alabama the best chance to beat Tennessee where this is a game where this is the biggest game in Knoxville, Tennessee in the last 20 years. And Knoxville and Rocky Top will be ready to go. Alabama on the road at Tennessee, 2.30 on Saturday. CBS, the entire country, will be watching. Joey, we appreciate it as always, brother, coming on and talking to us about Alabama. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you got going on. Absolutely. Well, as always, everybody can follow me on Twitter at Blackwell Sports. I work where I post the majority of my reporting. You follow all of our coverage at BamaCentral.com. I meet myself, Katie Windham, and Mason Smith while all we making the trip up to Knoxville this weekend. Uh, good time to you know enjoy some fall Tennessee weather, and uh, thank you guys for having me. Well, have a safe trip to Knoxville. We'll talk to you on Monday. That's Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on the Monday edition of On the Line as Alabama gets ready to take a trip to Knoxville, Tennessee. Number three, Alabama. Number six, Tennessee on Saturday. We'll talk a lot more about this game uh, later on in the week. Let's get to our final break of hour number one. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. We'll wrap up this first hour when we come back. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds not the back. Jacob Go is Carter Bird with you for the next couple of minutes before we get into our number two. But Big thank you to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central joining us as he does every single Monday. Uh, we recapped the Alabama-Texas A&M game, previewing the Alabama-Tennessee game. That'll be this Saturday. Uh, there are so many big games coming up this weekend in college football. Of course, we will get to those later on in the week. But as we talk about pretty much every day wrapping up the first hour, we've got some postseason baseball to talk about and. Oh, how sweet it is. Oh, it's so much fun to watch when not only are the Braves in the playoffs and they didn't have to play the wild card weekend, but how much fun is it to watch the Mets? Wasn't just I the do only one that, that was on the show on Friday? We had Jack in here as well. Wasn't I the only one that said that 
the Padres were going to win you that series? You picked the Padres. I picked the Mets. I really did. I picked them, and they, they fell Str- flat. Spencer Strider is a like he's an oracle. He's a fortune teller. Yep. Back on what August seventh, he said when 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 they ran him out of the game on four runs, he went like two innings on six hits. He said, "Look, they're getting lucky. They're they're getting lucky. They've got some lucky hits here." I mean, it's August. Let's see what happens in October. And he was right. He got roasted for that because they were like, you've never been to the postseason, young rookie. rookie. What do you know? And then he was right. He was right. And not only did the Mets lose and they're out, the Braves said, you know what, young man? We want to keep you around a little bit. And they signed him to an extension. So he's now with the Braves for a while. Speaking of him, the Braves are very hopeful that he will be good to go this series yep. starting tomorrow. I'm excited about that because at that point, the top of that Braves rotation is pretty stout. It can match up with about anybody in, in baseball. Now, what is a crime is that the Braves got the absolute worst starting times for the first two days of the divisional series. They play, of course, the Philadelphia Phillies. They won over the weekend. They beat the Cardinals, which I didn't think was going to happen either. Uh, uh, kind of looking at results, I guess, before we get into that really quick. Uh, on Saturday, you had the Cleveland Guardians beat the Tampa Bay Rays in a 15-inning ball game, which ended in a whopping score of one to zero wow there were a soccer score right there (laughs) eight hits in that game no they got up to 11 they got up to 11 there were seven in the 14th inning and i was like this is the worst thing i've ever seen in my entire life yeah it was really bad so the cleveland guardians beat tampa bay in two games they move on the mariners beat the blue jays in two games they move on the mets won on saturday to force that game three the phillies take two out of two from the cardinals they move on which was really shocking and then of course last night the padres embarrassed the mets in new york six nothing ten hits to one hit the mets just gave up they were done and so now You've got the divisional series with, of course, the Braves playing the Phillies. You've got the Mariners and the Astros, the Guardians and the Yankees, the Padres and the Dodgers. That's what is on deck for the next couple of days. And the Braves got shafted. I'm just going to be honest. They're playing at noon tomorrow, and then they play at two or 3.30 on Wednesday. They're the first game both days on Tuesday, Wednesday. That's ridiculous. And it... it how do the former and the reigning World Series champions, after winning their division again, how do they get the worst start times? That doesn't make any sense. Well, I think it's because of the the storylines in the other series, I eh, guess. Storylines, whatever. You've got, you've got Padres, Dodgers, Boo. division rivals, and they're on the West Coast, so they're going to start late. And then you've got, I guess, because the Yankees are the Yankees, so you've got that. Then you've got America's team and and the the best uh, team Mariners, in the AL, baby. which and that part of that series is going to be on the West Coast, so I could see where that one starts later. And then I guess I mean Braves Phillies it should be division rivals should like it sh- should have the similar storylines to uh, yeah. to what the Padres and Dodgers have, but. I don't know. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated because it's annoying. I mean, I but want, I want to go sit on my couch and watch these games, not not <laughs> be, yeah. be here prepping for the show while having to keep one eye on the on on the Braves right. game. Well, looking at tomorrow's lineup because the divisional series gets started tomorrow in the MLB postseason. Phillies Braves at noon. Mariners Astros two thirty. Guardians Yankees six thirty. And Padres Dodgers tomorrow night. Then on Wednesday the Braves play again at three thirty. Padres Dodgers play at seven thirty. Then on 
Thursday, Mariners, Astros, Guardians, Yankees, and then the Braves will go to Philadelphia. So now this is a of course, the wild card was best of three. Divisional series, best of five. So Atlanta will go on the road. At, please at least play one game on the road at Philadelphia. That'll be on Thursday. Those times are to be determined whenever we can. We're going to carry MLB postseason coverage. And when we can, we're going to carry the Braves. We can't get their first two games, but we're going to try and get as many Braves games here on ESPN as possible. Hour number one officially in the books. we got a whole lot more coming up in hour number two. Live on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Hour number one, officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two, officially underway. Right here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. On the line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you right here on this Monday afternoon. Hour number one was a good one. If you missed it, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast, or you can go to ESPNAU.com, click on the podcast center, and you can find it right there. Uh, so make sure you go and do that. Listen to the first hour. We talked to Auburn, Georgia. Uh, we talked to uh, we talked to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central. Talked to him about the Alabama-Texas A&M game, which was a barn burner. And then also he previewed the Alabama-Tennessee game coming up this week which should be a fantastic game as well. So again, if you missed any of the first half, go and find the podcast at ESPNAU.com. Also at ESPNAU.com, you can submit your picks for the SEC Football Challenge. It continues this week with all of the great games in the SEC. This will be a tough one to pick this week. There's some really good and interesting matchups around the conference. But congratulations to last week's winner, Cheryl Farr, who won a Wickles Pickles gift bag and, of course, that 12-pack of Pepsi. Uh, She went 7 of 7 this past week, so congratulations to Cheryl Farr for winning this week in the SEC Football Challenge. Go and make your picks every single week. They close Friday night at midnight for all of the games around the Southeastern Conference. Go and make your picks. Uh, Our four great sponsors provide uh, prizes, and then at the end of the season, whoever has the best score, you're going to win that 50-inch 4K Ultra HD Smart TV. So big thank you to uh, the Orthopedic Clinic, Buffalo Rock, Pepsi, Wickles, Pickles and Johnny Brusco's for sponsoring that and providing some great prizes. So that's at ESPNAU.com under the contest tab. But as we get started here in hour number two, we're actually going to go to the phone lines 334 321 1390. Terry, you're on the line. Welcome in. Happy Monday. Hey, good afternoon, Jacob Carter. How you are today? We're doing All just right, fine, Terry. Terry. What you got? Uh, Jacob, I want to take exception with something you said on after the game. You're talking about Jeff Grimes as a head coaching possibility. I think that would be too much of an eh hire. But the head coaching talent that's available out there, 
that that's why I don't think he's really got much of a shot. Now, some people may do, and that's fine. But I, I think with the head coaching talent that's out there, the guys have experience head coaching, like Ki- like Kiffin has been mentioned, like Hugh Freeze, of course, down Matt Rule. I don't think you can afford to do that, and Auburn's not fishing to afford to do that. Terry, what are you talking about? Auburn still has a head coach. Well, that's right. <laughs> Terry, Terry, I firmly... Ask me that question a week from today, Jacob. <laughs> okay, I'll write it down. Terry, I, I mean, with with the stuff that you, you can read on the uh, Auburn Beat sites... Sounds like we can still have that same conversation a week from now, and it's going to be the same. It's going to be status quo. But, but to 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 the point about Jeff Grimes, I think this hire needs to be less about making a big splash and impre- winning a press conference or winning winning the press release. This needs to be about getting somebody that Auburn can get aligned behind, can get unified behind, can. Do all of the things Auburn needs to do off the field with NIL and all of that, and then somebody who can bring in a really good staff, somebody who is a strong offensive mind, somebody who's going to build this team from the trenches out. And to me, Jeff Grimes checks all those bo- those boxes. I think he so can he do very – Yes, but there – again, Terry, the I don't disagree. Hugh Freeze is a good coach, and he can win games at Auburn. But I do not think he's going to get signed off on at the highest levels with the baggage he carries. I just I won't I, disagree with you there. And I and I think that's that's why I believe that Hugh Freeze is just a non starter. I know he's gonna get mentioned, I know he's gonna get a lot of push to be the head coach, and that's fine. But Jeff Grimes, I think, can do a very good job at Auburn, and I think it's a little knee jerkish and and foolish for everybody to get so fired up about it being just the worst hire ever i mean you you read the message boards people people were throwing fits on on the the message boards when they heard that jeff grimes is going to be one of the favorites to land this auburn job i think jeff grimes can get a great staff in place can recruit well can do all the things he needs to do to be successful at auburn i firmly believe he can do that and he's probably the, the safest option to get Auburn's program back on track where it needs to be, in my mind. Uh, well, Carter, let me tell you the two boxes that Hugh Freeze can check that Jeff Grimes can't check. I've beat Nick Saban, and I've been a head coach in the Southeastern Conference. That's fair, but Je- Jeff Grimes can also check the no baggage box, which is a That's bigger true. box than, than those two right now in the, in the landscape of... Because think about what all Auburn has gone through here over the years with, mm-hmm. the, with the FBI, Bruce Pearl stuff... All of that, you have a new president. You're going to have a new athletic director. I doubt that their first hire at football coach is going to be somebody with the baggage that Hugh Freeze has. That's just my gut feeling on it. Well, and just my, my personal feelings are better, a little bit of baggage, because Bruce Pearl had baggage, but better better that than an unknown entity, which is Jeff Grimes. And I just don't think that'll work out. I don't think it'll be the worst coach ever, because I think that's reserved for Gene Chizik. But... That spot's reserved, but uh, at the same time, at the same time, I don't think Auburn can afford to today the unknown. And I just, I just don't think they can afford okay. it at this time. So I really don't. I, I have a question for you. Okay. As far as just assuming you don't think it's going to work out, there's what three coaches out there right I didn't now. Say that. No, 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 no. What, what, what? what? You, you said you didn't think it was going to work out with with Jeff Grimes, right? 
I just don't think he'd be a good choice. I just think I just think Auburn can't afford to take a chance on a guy these best years may be ahead of him. And it's going to be hard to convince. You're right. It may work out. Who knows? But right now, I don't think Auburn can afford to take that chance. They got to make a splash hire. I just think I I don't think making a splash hire for the sake of making a splash hire is the right move for all. I don't like. I, yes, you can win that press release. But you need somebody who knows the landscape at Auburn, who knows how to get everybody pulling in the right direction, and will be the right fit for Auburn. The fit here matters more than winning a press conference, in my mind. I want to disagree with that. Yeah, and, and you guys, to kind of get you yeah. the- Go ahead. Go ahead. Take a look at the video, Jacob and Jerry Carter, uh, the, uh, the on uh, TikTok of uh, Alec Jackson. Is that is that? Have you guys took a look at that? Uh, no, of the, I, of the the miss block. Well, they either. I talked to a friend of mine who's a former offensive lineman at the University of Alabama, and he said, you know, it just it's a guy who doesn't know, it doesn't care, and then he's a senior, so he should know the playbook. Yeah, I mean, I've, there's a couple of videos that kind of went around, you know, TikTok, Twitter, whatever it may be, of of some Auburn offensive linemen that uh, missed blocks or didn't block correctly or whatever it may be. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of videos that went out, and I mean, you can't deny it, right? If it's on the film, right. it's on the film. So uh, that, we we talked a lot about that in the first half of just some plays where Auburn didn't block correctly or didn't know where to block or didn't know how to block or just missed the block, whatever it may be. But yeah, the offensive line definitely didn't help them out on saturday how about just doesn't care and that that's that's my thing right there doesn't you got you got you got a coach i think he's lost the team i think that's the quite quite honestly i think that he's lost the team i don't think he wants to be i don't think he ever really wanted to be there yeah i think it's hard all in i think he was into a degree jacob carter until the coup happened and then i think he was less in and i could i could see where that could be a thing i think it's hard for us to sit here and speak for a guy on the football team and say whether he cares or not i don't think we really have we i don't have that right to say that and so i'm not gonna go down that road but um uh, with with Brian Harson and the team, I mean, he's known, right? I mean, he's known for a couple of weeks. He's not going to be the head coach here, and and that whether it's in the next week or whether it's by the end of the season. So yeah, I mean, that weighs on a team because if he knows, they know, and if we know, they definitely know. And so I think right. that definitely weighs on on the team and how they prepare and how they practice and how they play. There's no doubt about it. Hey, Terry, we appreciate the call and enjoy sure. hearing from you, man. Take care, guys. Yep, that was Terry here on On the Line starting hour number two, 334-321-1390. We'd love to hear from you as well. Thoughts on Auburn, Georgia? Uh, thoughts on Auburn right now and Brian Harson and the entire program? We'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Yeah, I think that, look, and and we know, and Terry called in last week and talked about talked about Hugh Freeze. And I'm gonna, I stand on the fact that I just think the baggage is too much there for that to be signed off on. It has nothing to do with coaching or ability or anything. He is a good coach. Exactly. We know this. We exactly. know this. He can recruit. Uh, granted, he did have some <laughs> help last time. That, <laughs> Which uh, is legal may now. Have, may have gotten him in some trouble as well. But but Which I, leads into that baggage you're talking about. Yeah, well, that and the... The other thing. And the yes. cell phone the stuff, other stuff that, yes. that got him in trouble. Yes. Which is... Which is which is the reason why when Lane Kiffin stepped off the plane in Oxford, you had that one man hand him uh, Kiffin like what his baby, and then said, "Make sure you have a, b- a burner phone." Uh, yeah. yeah, that was that was a great moment. But um, yeah, no, I think that the fan base is a little too quick to just poo-poo the idea of Jeff Grimes. Well, the, it's the, not the, because the it's not rumors, it's not the sexy hire, right? It's it's, it's, it's not. not. It's not. But I think it might be 
the best fit for Auburn. Very it well might could be. set Auburn to build the foundation. Also, you don't have to worry about if Jeff Grimes is successful, you don't ever have to worry about him leaving Auburn if mm-hmm. he came in. Because if Deion Sanders comes in and is the head coach, two years, three years, five, six years, if he's doing well and FSU comes open, does he go to FSU? If Lane Kiffin comes to Auburn and does well, and Alabama or Texas A&M open up, what stop? What what allegiance do they have to Auburn to stay over these other opportunities? Because there's way more money at Texas A&M. We've talked about that in the past. Alabama's got the best setup of anybody in the country to succeed right now. What's stopping those coaches from leaving? The last thing you need is Auburn to be a stepping stepping stone to where these guys may actually want to be. Jeff Grimes has been at Auburn. This would be his opportunity to be a Power 5 head coach in the SEC with the resources, with the facilities. I don't think his he would have a wondering eye for any other jobs. I don't. So if he succeeds, he could be your coach for a long time. That's a really good way to put it, where you don't want Auburn to become that stepping stone. And it's not right now. Auburn is a great job to have. I mean, nobody comes to Auburn. Brian Harson did not come to Auburn to take the next step up. And obviously, he's not going anywhere up after this. But you don't want it to become that. I, I think that's a really good way to put it, where a guy like Lane Kiffin, who would bounce around and go, you don't know what his plans are, or a guy like Dion, if something like Florida State were to open up, obviously his alma mater, if he would want to go there. Or, sure. or maybe the NFL. Yeah, even that. You're exactly right. And so... <laughs> if we ever got to a point that Jerry Jones is calling Dion to give him a head coaching job, Dion's going to go. Wow. And he's going to go coach wow. the Cowboys, which I know that's way down the road. But hey, the Cowboys are like 4-1 and one right now, right? I, oh, I know, I know. Because Cooper Rush With is, is, Cooper a, Rush be- is a, a better good, version of Dak Prescott. And don't give any credit to Mike <laughs> McCarthy. Don't give any credit to him. That guy's not a good coach. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's Kellen Moore. <laughs> it's all Kellen Moore. <laughs> Literally. But it's Kellen Moore and the fact that their defense is it's Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn. It's the That's defense. That's the reason why, it's the why that team has any success. They've got an awesome defense with an unbelievable defensive coordinator and then Kellen Moore. And yeah, it's it's not Mike McCarthy, I promise. <laughs> but getting back to the Auburn thing, you don't want it to become a stepping stone for a bigger name or for somebody to come here and then take another job at another high-level program. I don't think Auburn is that. I don't think Auburn is going to become that. But taking a risk on a guy like Lane Kiffin or Deion Sanders who are so just out there and up in the air, that's a possibility. Now, Going on what Terry said, it's in what kind of your defense of Jeff Grimes. No, Jeff Grimes is not a sexy hire. Jeff Grimes is not an exciting hire. Half the fan base, when when uh, if Auburn were to hire Jeff Grimes, they would be like, "I'm sorry, Jeff Grimes." They would say, "Is that really?" They would question the hire because it's not Lane Kiffin. It's not that big name, right? It's not a name that's going to be known from the East Coast to the West Coast in college football. It's just not. But that doesn't mean he wouldn't be a good coach here. And I'm not completely sold, and that's not my go-to pick right now. I don't have a pick right now for who I think Auburn should hire when they get rid of Brian Harson. I think there's still some time and some research and some analyzing, uh, analyzing on my part to figure out who I want that to be. I wouldn't hate the Jeff Grimes pick. Would I be jumping for joy? No. But 
it doesn't mean that he wouldn't be a good coach and it doesn't mean he wouldn't be a good recruiter and it doesn't mean that he wouldn't be successful at Auburn but you're right there's a lot of times where Auburn fans and Auburn University and the program they want to go out and make that big home run higher to make you know make the fans happy get the media going get the the hype going a little bit around the program and you don't necessarily need that but at the same time Going out and getting that home run slam dunk big name hire is not a bad thing either. What Auburn needs to do, instead of it being one or the other, how about we combine the two? And how about Auburn goes out and finds a guy that is a big name, that has a reputation in the SEC, that possibly has Auburn ties, that is a big name where the, when the world of college football sees that Auburn hires him, they go, wow. They're, they take a step back and they say, whoa, that's a big hire. That's a good hire, Right? What about somebody like Matt Rule, who got fired today from the Carolina Panthers, who has big-time college success? Now, he doesn't have SEC ties, and he doesn't have Auburn ties, and that may be a big question. But somebody like that, if Auburn can go out and instead of making a a big-name hire that's not going to be successful or going after somebody like Jeff Grimes that's not the big name but we think could be good – Why not bring the two together and get that big name who has a proven track record, who's going to do it the right way, knows what they're getting into, and can make Auburn successful and be here for a long time? That's a hard thing to do, and that's what Auburn has got to figure out between now and December. That's what they've got to figure out, and there's some names you can throw out there. I think you can make a case for every single name that's been put out there so far, and you can make a case for why they're good, for a good choice and why they're a bad choice. We're going to see what Auburn does. I think it's an interesting discussion that we get to have for the next couple of months, and we'll eventually see what Auburn ends up doing. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. We'll continue discussing this and the question of the day when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. As we get into the question of the day, kind of goes into what we were talking about just a few minutes ago. Question of the day, we'd love to hear from you again. 334-321-1390. Are you surprised that Brian Harson is still the head coach at Auburn after the loss to Georgia on Saturday? Um, Yes, but also no. Because I do... Good answer. <laughs> yes, because like... What's happening on a weekly basis is unacceptable. But no from the fact that the heads up was 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 given at the end of last week that it wasn't going to happen. And you had heard weeks ago that it was going to happen in the bye week. I don't know if that's going to happen. But I do think I do think that there's an interesting thing that I heard from Stephen Godfrey on Split Zone Duo talking about Auburn. Almost, there's becoming a a unifying factor that Auburn fans are now uniting behind everybody's mutual hate for Brian Harson, which probably isn't the worst thing. I mean, at least you're going to get the fan base on the same page of, hey, 
a change has to happen. What's currently going on is unacceptable. Um, I do think that that's an interesting point. But yes, I am surprised. But because this shouldn't continue continually be happening each week, you should be competitive with the roster. You should have addressed the issues on the roster that you did not this offseason and the transfer portal. And you, we, we can, because we, we've had some callers on after the game, we've had some callers on this show be like, it's, it's on execution of the players and all that good stuff. And, you know, that's well and good. But we knew the problems with this roster going into the offseason. And this staff chose to bury their head in the sand like a daggum ostrich and not address it. And if you don't address it, it's the problems are not going to get better. They're going to get worse. And so, like, that's why we're in this position. Yeah. And and it's it's exhausting to have to deal with this every single week. And I can vouch for what seems like every caller we had on after the game, people are tired. They're frustrated. They want they want to move on. This era is over. This is this is a bad marriage that is over and for whatever reason we're sticking together and it's not for the kids because it's because <laughs> because the kids on the team right now. Oh my god! The kids on the team right now. This oh, isn't fair to them. I knew you were going that way, and it was we still are funny. we are sticking around for whatever reason. Oh. And I guess the only reason is that we are giving enough of a sample size to be like, this is why we are moving on from this guy. You're going the bad marriage route. I'm going with the failed experiment route because. This is, or this was, I should say, this was a hire for Auburn with Brian Harson, where Brian Harson was not the first choice for Auburn. He wasn't the second choice for Auburn. I don't even think he was the third choice for Auburn. He was a guy that after multiple said, uh-uh, I'm not touching that. He said, yeah, I'm going to take my chance. He has no SEC ties. He has no Auburn ties. He's from out west. He, I mean, complete outsider to what's going on over on this side of the country and in this region of college football and high school football, for that matter. This was an experiment that Auburn tried. And at the start, I thought it could be a good thing. I bought in and I was convinced that Brian Harson was going to be successful here. I was convinced that he could do some really good things, and I thought going outside the realm of the SEC might work. This was an experiment, and we all went to school. We all took science classes. You go through, the what, the scientific method, right? There's different steps. You, you write it out, you test it out, and then you analyze your results, right? Auburn tried. It didn't work. And now it's time to analyze and move on because this experiment is over and it has failed and you've learned your lesson and then you change the variables and you try it again. The variable is the head coach. You've got to change it now because this experiment is over. So to answer the question, I am surprised that Brian Harson is still the head coach here. The smoke on Friday was that he was going to be uh, that he was going to be fire or he may even be staying through the end of the season. But after a 42-10 loss against Georgia on Saturday, looking as bad as they did offensively, I thought maybe they would just go ahead and pull the trigger, but they didn't. Let's get to the phone lines real quick before we get to break. 334-321-1390. Specter, you're on the line. We got about a minute, man. 
Okay, well, I'll condense what I was going to say down to uh, we're not going to get a coach until the end of the season because the coach that we got in mind is still playing. He still has a team he has to coach. So they're not going to up, up, upset their apple cart on the, on the other team to go after somebody we want, whether that be Jeff Grimes or Kiffin or whoever. But I guess I ain't got time to talk to you about what I wanted to talk to you. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we, we've got about a minute, but about 30 seconds, really, before we got to get to a break. We've got a guest coming on afterwards. But, hey, we appreciate the call, Spectre. Um, you know, again, the smoke was – it may not be smoke. There may be fire there, too, that Brian Harson may end up having his job through the end of the season. And you're right, Carter. Auburn fans are tired. And going into football games now – there is zero confidence that Auburn wins on Saturdays. I mean, I know it's Monday and Auburn plays Ole Miss this week, but by Thursday and Friday we'll be talking about that game. How many Auburn fans believe that this team is going to go on the road to Oxford and win this football game? I mean, less than 10% of Auburn Not fans? Not many. Right? That's a problem. That is a problem. And none of them have confidence in Brian Harson. None of them have confidence in the scheme or the play calling or the game planning. And that is why I'm surprised that Brian Harson is still the head coach here. That surprised me because nothing has changed. Nothing has gotten better. We're six games in. I don't want to say Auburn's going backwards because they weren't good to start. And I think it's, it's just been right here. It's been level. And nothing has gotten any better. Some things have gotten worse. And some things have gotten a little bit better. But overall it's pretty much right where we started. And that's not going to get it done at Auburn. That's not going to get it done in the SEC. And that's not going to get it done in today's game of college football. So yeah, it does surprise me that Brian Harson's still the head coach here. It really, really does. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network will join us when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Well, as always on Monday afternoons, we've got Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network joining us here on On the Line. Hillman, it was a 42-10 to loss for Auburn in their first road game of the season at Georgia. Uh, just your initial reactions and takeaways from the loss on Saturday. Yeah, Georgia, clearly one of the top teams in the country, and, and Auburn is struggling to get things going uh, in its first road test. So um, the initial thought is just that Auburn was in the game until the second half, and then things kind of fell apart. So I, you look at the first half for the positives and the second half for the negatives is the way I'm looking at this game because uh, you knew Georgia was going to have its success because of how good it is. Uh, it was a matter of if Auburn was able to match its success, and it was unable to uh, after that first half. And, you know, I, I think you look at the start of the second half when you had a chance to get into the game if you're Auburn and, and unable to do that on the offensive end because the defense stepped up on that first drive, uh, forced a fumble, and gave your offense a good chance uh, in opponent territory, but you needed a touchdown on that drive and getting a field goal. Uh, Georgia was ready to come back out and make uh, made its adjustments. And, uh and was able to run away with it. 
Yeah, Jacob, uh, kind of with, with the way that that performance was, it was not exactly uh, – didn't instill a ton of confidence. What did you see out of the offense that maybe maybe they can get going going forward when they go on the road for – this next week against uh, Ole Miss, what did you see out of Robbie Ashford? Are there is there, are there things to build off of? Well, yeah, Ashford is clearly the one that you want to build off. I, I think he's continuing to improve and develop, and uh, you know it's in a, it's in a tough situation for him where the offense isn't having a ton of success. So every week is a new challenge for him, and uh, the fact he's able to overcome it, and I mean honestly, have some success. I mean, he ran the ball really well, and you know if you think about this in college, those sacks numbers uh, account for your rushing total, and Robbie Ashford was able to avoid many sacks, if any at all, honestly. I can't remember if there were any sacks or not, but Ashford had 52 yards on the ground uh, on just nine carries, and uh, the completion percentage isn't what you want to see, 13 for 38, but he didn't turn the ball over other than that fumble, which, you know, you, you look at that one, that that was he just dropped the ball. Uh, Coach Harson addressed that uh, today in his press conference, I'm out. It's not his hands aren't too small. There's it wasn't a mental lapse. It was just in that transition. He just kind of was ready to take off and and lost it. So I think I think your quarterback position is where he's got to build off uh, going forward because he's continuing to improve. He's showing some dynamic ability where uh, what we expected going into the season, if we saw him, that um, that the reason that we'd see him is because of his legs, and, and he's doing that as well. Uh, that that's the biggest thing, and he he's continuing to spread the ball a little bit. Of course, he was thirteen for thirty eight, so you don't see a ton of receptions uh, for Tiger receivers. But I, I still think he's doing a good job at at going through his reads and finding different guys, and and different guys are getting involved. So that that's what's important. Xavion Capers he he made a catch uh, on Saturday, and 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 Jay Fair and Daz Warsham they're they're getting some playing time and getting some targets. So. Uh, that's where I want to start. That's where I would start with is just the quarterback position and how can you give Robbie Ashford uh, the best chance to be successful because he's doing all right right now for learning on the fly. But I think you can find a way to take that next step, and it's probably going to start with the scheme. Hillman, as we kind of continue with the quarterback conversation, what's the message have to be to Robbie Ashford, who at times and a lot of times it seems like is is running for his life and trying to make plays and sometimes it seems uh that he's trying to do maybe a little too much where there's times where he could just tuck the football and run throwing throwing fastballs where he needs to be throwing some lob balls to try to get it to his receivers on certain on certain plays what what does the message have to be to Robbie Ashford uh, in a struggling offense that we've seen so far through six games well I do think the most important thing is to take it one step at a time with him as he's a redshirt freshman never took a snap at Oregon so he, he's facing his first true college football competition here in the SEC, and really he didn't even play a ton uh, in those first non-conference games uh, until Penn State in the second half. So you're, you're really looking at him. He's growing in front of the real deal, and uh, obviously obviously he's being pressured a lot, uh, especially up the middle. That, that's what I've noticed. A lot, it's a lot of up the middle, and he's, he's able to flush out, and he's kind of running for his life. And, and then you mentioned that sometimes he, he tries to do a little bit too much. I think that is where you start, and that's the first thing you tell him. Hey, if you're in trouble, you just need to make sure you you make sure it's not a disaster. And and he did a good job of that on Saturday. But uh, we have seen those time and time again a few times where he does force a football or he throws a pass that you know shouldn't be thrown 
on a line, maybe maybe lob it a little bit more, whatever it is. Those are the kind of things that can force him to mistakes. And if he's able to uh, uh, kind of improve on those and, and continue to do what he's been doing well, then you're looking at him improving that completion percentage and, and Auburn able to really maintain drives. That's something else Coach Harshin talked about today in, in his press conference was just, I think the biggest thing is maintaining drives because there's so many three and outs uh, this past weekend that your defense never really has a chance to rest. Uh, your punter, Oscar Chapman, he, he's kicking the ball a lot, and you never know if that might uh, make him a little bit tired, and, and he's not as effective as he has been because he is the best punter in the SEC statistically. So um, I, I just really want to see uh, Auburn just not go three and out as much. You know, when that when that happens, you never know what can happen because you, you look at that play, the touchdown of Jarquez Hunter, just something can break free like that, and you have that happen a few times a game, and you're, you're always going to be in it. So. Uh, I just want to see Ashford continue to do what he's been doing and, and, and make sure he knows that it's it's not all on him and he's just got to be successful with uh, not making mistakes. Because, like I said, Georgia game, that was a very successful trip for Robbie Ashford. Outside of that, that's where uh, I think more of your problems are lying. You were talking about the uh, defense, and I thought they showed tremendous fight, especially in that first half. What can what can we expect from this defense as the season progresses? And then what can Auburn do to put them in better positions to succeed? Because it just felt like they were always out there on the field, like you said. It felt like eventually when you put them in enough bad spots, it's going to go south. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the latter part of the question, and it's exactly what I just said. The maintaining drives, you got to keep uh, those offenses off the field and and just giving them time to rest, and because it does feel like sometimes there's a little bit of wear and tear. I think I think Derek Hall went out of the game late, uh, late because it just, he just seemed gassed and uh, might have gotten a little bit banged up. But I think it was more of him just being tired, and he he just needed a breather. Uh, so just the offense helping them out a little bit by just getting first downs here and there, and and you know a penalty here and there, not being like a false start, getting getting behind the chains. That's going to help you do that. As far as what the off, what the defense did, I agree. I think that uh, through those first probably thirty to forty minutes, uh, the defense was great and did what it was supposed to do and got pressure on Stetson Bennett. Obviously, he did break one free uh, for a sixty-four yard touchdown run. But overall, it just it just felt like the defense did what it needed to do. Uh, whether it was pressuring the quarterback, not letting. Uh, too many runs break free uh, into the open field, and I mean it, it, the, the numbers look fine for the defense. It, it's more of it, it's more of the forcing turnovers and and whatnot that is still the issue for uh, that defense. And what once they start doing that, that can be what uh, maybe helps the offense a little bit. Like I said, it happened at the beginning of the first half. Auburn was only able to come away with three, and I think that's where uh, the flaw is in the offense. We're speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Hillman, as we look ahead to this weekend, Auburn uh, playing at Ole Miss, their second road game of the season, of course, back-to-back road games this season in 2022. Uh, What's your takeaway on Ole Miss so far this season and how they kind of stack up against Auburn? Yeah, hot start uh, for the Rebels this year. Uh, It's it's 6-0 at this point, and and the offense is as explosive as ever, uh, and really – that defense is what you really need to be looking at because they are much improved. And um, I think that it's not necessarily 
them just holding to holding these offenses to big to great numbers and whatnot, but it's just they're not allowing all these touchdowns and red zone scores. They're they're getting turnovers. Uh, another thing notable, they have the best receiver in the SEC currently, Jonathan Mingo. So this will be a good test for those guys on the outside, PJ James, Jalen Simpson, and Nehemiah Pritchett. If you can hold Jonathan Mingo to uh, under his average and not letting him catch all these third down passes, then uh, you're going to be in a good spot. But it doesn't stop there. They're running back, Quinshawn uh, Judkins. He's He's a great freshman running back. He's scoring, scoring the football. He's from Park Road. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's it, he's he'll probably be pretty motivated <laughs> going up against a team from the school right down the road where he grew up. So I, I, I think that um, as far as the offense goes, it's all about you. You, you can't uh, you can't let their defense impact the way you game plan because you, you're still figuring things out. Now on the defensive side, it, it's a matter of keying in on on what you can do to uh, slow down this Ole Miss offense because, obviously, with Wayne Kiffin as the head coach, they're going to they're gonna pace the ball. They're also going to go for it on fourth down if it makes even half a sense. So I, I think, really, I'm looking at Mingo and Judkins just from how explosive they've been this season and how the defense can key in and force other guys to make plays because Jackson Dart, the quarterback, he, he, he's looking solid as well this year, and, I'm sure he can find other guys, but it's a matter of not letting those other guys uh, uh, make plays if Mingo and Judkins aren't. With with this offense on the road, do you expect to see them put forth a little, show a little more life? And how do you see that offensive line had a rough day in Athens? How do you see them bouncing back on the road in Oxford? I do think this is this is obviously a bit of an easier challenge. I mean, I'm not going to say it's an easy challenge at all. It's still a top ten team. Uh, but it's not Georgia. It's it's it, it's an Ole Miss team that still that still kind of hasn't found that uh, way to the SEC championship yet. Uh, they haven't played Alabama yet. There, there, there's there's a lot of hope for Ole Miss. They haven't seen uh, the success that they want to yet. They, they want to get to an SEC championship, uh, and I really think that uh, going into a, an 11 a.m. game, I think that that also helps Auburn a good bit. Uh, at this Ole Miss atmosphere, because I know they've been they've been dying for a night game and haven't gotten it yet. So to have this 11 a.m. game, that you've got to you've got to wake up first. That, I think that's the biggest key. Wake up first, and you come out, you throw the first punch, and from there, you just got to keep them on their heels. And if Auburn's able to do that, then you stay in the game and just make sure you have a chance to win at the end. And, uh, and like I said, the turnovers you didn't see a ton of those. Uh, on Saturday with Auburn, it was it was, a, it was the fumble from Robbie, and other than that, you did a good job of protecting the ball. It's a matter of these drives actually developing and getting a couple first downs here and there. That maybe they don't end in a touchdown, but it helps you win the field position battle. And you do that, and uh, you're in a good spot. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us on this Monday afternoon, man. We appreciate it as always. Uh, let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you got going on. Follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AAU Auburn Sports Network coverage uh, bright and early on Saturday at 8 a.m. Uh, from Bot Hemingway Stadium. So uh, tune in to the Auburn Sports Network. Hey, man, we appreciate you coming on. We will talk to you next week, my friend. All right. Thank you, guys. War Eagle. Yep, that War is Eagle. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on the Monday edition of On the Line. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap it up here on ESPN 1067. You are on the line. 
on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you for the next few minutes. Make sure you stay tuned, though, from 4 to 6. It'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck right here on ESPN 106.7 from 4 to 6. Uh, they'll be breaking down Auburn, Georgia as well. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, but we've got a few more minutes, and if you've missed any of today's show, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast, or you can go to ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. You can find it right after the show, commercial free. Uh, back in the first hour, we talked to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, talking about Alabama, Texas AM, previewing Alabama, Tennessee this coming weekend. And then, of course, we just got off the phone with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network, talking about Auburn, Georgia, previewing Auburn and Ole Miss. And, of course, uh, Carter and I, we talked a lot about Auburn, Georgia, some Auburn coaching things as well. I had some fantastic callers today. So if you missed any of the show today, be sure to go and find the podcast again. You can search on the line wherever you get your podcast or at ESPNAU.com. But we've got a few more minutes and wrapping up just final thoughts from Auburn Georgia because of course throughout the rest of the week uh, tomorrow we're going to have a lot of reactions from the weekend of college football because there was a lot of big games and good games from over the weekend and then as the weekend this coming weekend gets closer throughout the rest of the week uh, we'll start previewing Auburn Ole Miss we'll start previewing Alabama Tennessee we're looking at the conference of the SEC right now looking at college football where there's a lot of possibilities for this college football playoff that's going to be happening at the end of the season but uh carter just just your final thoughts on on what we saw on saturday from auburn georgia and where auburn goes from here well i mean we know it's not good enough we know we know that this isn't to the standard of auburn athletics especially auburn football we know that the writing's on the wall this is over it's it's a matter of time it's a matter of when not if and we've known that for a few weeks and it's this is all going to come to an end at some point. A new coach is going, to, a new athletic director is going to be installed. A new coach is going to be installed. There will be better days. Right now, it's 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 pretty dark. It's pretty bleak. But for the sake of the players, I hope the right person gets put in charge of this football program. And look, I I mean, I said that on after the game. The fan base deserves finality here. The players deserve finality here. Heck, Harson and his family, to an extent, deserve finality here. We all know where this is going. I just think we just, it just needs to happen. It needs to move on. I think it's better for everybody involved if this is brought to an end sooner rather than later. This has been... It's been a bumpy ride from the start, Auburn and Brian Harson. I bought in to him when he was hired. I thought he could be the man to get it done here. I thought he had the right attitude, the mentality, the the work ethic, all of that. And through six games of his second season, it's just not it. And he's not it. And this has been a my my go to. This has been a failed experiment. And. It, it's and it's okay. It's okay to go after guys that don't fit the narrative of what Auburn football has been for years. It's okay to go outside the realm and and take a chance on a guy that you think 
may bring success to your program. But it's not okay when that guy comes in here for him to not put in the work to make it happen. For him to not know what he was getting into when he got here. For him to not know what it takes to be successful at Auburn and in the SEC. It's also not okay for when the university and people running this thing don't get their way to go after him and his family. Everything that has happened in this year and a half, almost two seasons now, has been a disaster. It has. Besides the 6-2 and two start last year, from there on, it's been a disaster. And this is a failed experiment, and it's time to move on. Whether that is this week, whether it's the end of the season, the bye week, whatever it may be, it is going to end. And Auburn has got to move on from this, and whoever they bring in next, they better prepare. They better prepare that person for what they're getting into and what it takes to be successful here in the state of Alabama, in the Southeastern Conference, in the state of college football, in a Power 5 school. They better make him prepared and make him known and make him prepared and, again, let him know what he's getting into. Because if you don't, and if Auburn brings in a guy like they did with Brian Harson, and they throw him to the Wolves, it's going to be another five years before Auburn can try to get out of a hole. That's it for the Monday edition of On the Line. Come back tomorrow. We're going to have a whole lot more of college football reactions. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.